we're less averse to ordering at a kiosk. We walk up to hit a counter and put in a code and get a food out of a locker. So uh -huh. I think that the technology is a big part of the guest experience and the brands who aren't embracing it are gonna be the brands that get left to the wayside. What's up, Zach Oatsier, author, entrepreneur, and customer relationship guru. Welcome to Give Innovation, growth strategies for restaurants and retailers, where we find industry leaders to share their secrets to grow your business. This podcast is sponsored by Ovation, a customer experience and marketing platform that gets you more reviews, more feedback, and more revenue. Want to learn more? Visit OvationUp.com. Welcome to another edition of Give and Ovation. I am joined today by the one, the only, if you don't know her, are you even in the restaurant industry, the Tammy Billings. She started off in 2008 as the director of marketing of a 14 restaurant chain during the recession and came out on top. She ran marketing at Fishbowl, Marketing Vitals Wisely, and is the most funnest person you will ever see at a trade show. She is the co-founder of Aben, and I'm super excited, Tammy, to have you on the podcast. What is up? All right. Hi, Zach. Sorry I missed you at the National Restaurant Show. I know. That's all right. You'll be at the next one. The, the show, you know, with 65,000 people there, it still was missing one person. You know? <laughs> I really loved the video that you sent. That was super cute. Thank you, Carl. Thank you, Alicia. Thank you, Meredith. I appreciate it. It was very sweet. Yeah, we, we were all missing Tammy. We were sitting there having this Tammy love fest, all trying to compare who loved Tammy more. And then we're like, let's just send her a video. So anyway. The best part was I was getting the same videos from the folks at Meg, but they were at like 2 a.m. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so they were more from the redheaded piano step, but a redheaded piano bar, I think it's called. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, I went to later on that night, we went to Snickers and I was very disappointed to find out that Snickers does not actually sell Snickers. And so I went across the street to 7-Eleven and bought every I, I like bought them of out of snickers bars did. and then i came back into the bar and was handing out the snickers to everyone and people thought i was just like this really drunk guy and i was like i don't even drink i just I don't drink. everyone was talking about snickers all night and so, so i just funny. i just wanted a candy bar so anyway uh tammy first of all tell us about aben yeah i guess it's the big mystery right um so let's see i met jordan thaler a couple of years ago when i was working with rom krupp over at marketing vitals and you know, he runs a blog that the industry reads is pretty well read in the industry by like CIOs and uh, CEOs and COOs. And, and, so and if you don't read the blog, you should. It's It's got some <laughs> spicy takes on it. Jordan refers to himself as everyone's favorite person to hate. <laughs> well, you know, it's interesting. So um, well, we should just address that. Like there's some social perception about the persona that he writes under and, um, you know, coming to work with somebody like that, that can be pretty polarizing. And it's, it's not like everyone loves me either. So, <laughs> oh, I mean, come on. Now. There are folks that don't, there's a short list. Um, but so <laughs> as I really started to understand the content that Jordan puts out, I mean, he, he's a Robin hood. I, and that's yeah. really where I was like, okay, but what he's doing is outing the bad practices of these payment processors and POS companies 
that merchants who are busy trying to run a restaurant just don't really understand, right? It's something I don't understand. And so as I've spent the last few months with him and really getting to understand that sort of, you know, payments processing space, um, he calls them the payment bros. You know, these guys are just all about how do I drive down the cost and something that's super commoditized and trying to squeeze as much out of these operators as possible in really providing very little value. So um, I just see him in a different way. And the folks that I have um, that know us both basically said, please don't tame him. You know, he's, we love him the way he is. <laughs> and um, so it's, it's actually been a really cool thing. He had, he had reached out to me about, um, about a year and a half ago, two years ago, I had just started at Wisely and uh, he was like, Hey, you want to be an advisor? And I was like, I would love to, and, and I'll share what I was excited about here in a second. Um, but then he said he's going to uh, build the CRM. And I was like, dude, I can't work with you if like you're going to build something and I can't teach you how to grow this business when it competes with the thing that pays the mortgage. So, uh -huh. um, you know, cut to being sold to Olo for 187 million, of which, you know, they said I was a, a key piece of. Um, the big company stuff just isn't for me. So he invited me to come over as a co-founder and I've been here since basically February. Wow. And starting to get our arms around everything that we're doing and really working through um, positioning. And um, what we are, what Avon is, is effectively a customer data platform that pulls in all of a company's internal data. So POS, online ordering, Wi-Fi, reservations, reviews, surveys, whatever you got. Um, and then we pair that with external data from the card networks. So we have an unfair advantage in the market in that we have relationships with two of the four biggest providers and we can track about 90% of transactions. So what we are able to do is build a comp set around a restaurant that will show how are your sales relative to the market. So we truly answer where you have opportunity. So um, as like an example, a brand might say, these are my worst performing stores, let's throw some money at them. Well, we would look at the same data and say, well, you might be down from a same store sales perspective, but in the market, you're overperforming. So you throw money at that problem, there's no marginal utility, you just wasted it. So that's where we're because, because maybe everyone's going up or maybe everyone's going down. And so right. it's not a matter. Yeah. So it's not a matter of differentiation or that there's a problem with your comps. It's, it's a seismic shift. Right. And so that's where we look at things like discretionary spending. So what's happening in grocery impacts what's happening in restaurant. Um, we can look at frequency, which every brand is trying to understand. Right. So we have some really unfair advantage um, here with our partners and then what we're able to do that's super unique for a CDP is to provide that measurement. So now here we, here we can aggregate all your data, show who, you, who your best customers are, like look at things like lifetime value. You can use that to purchase ads. We can then tell you as a neutral outside party, is that working? Did you capture market share? Did you capture share of stomach? Did you change frequency patterns? Like, these are all things that we are uniquely able to do that no other CDP in the market can do. And so um, that's sort of the positioning that we're taking in the short term. I think the, the long-term vision for ABIN is to what I'd say is hit the easy button on marketing. 
right? Mm -hmm. Here's a, here's a target market. Here's a market you should go after. Here's tactics you can take to achieve it. And then after you take those tactics, whether they're through us or another channel, then we can uniquely measure, did it work and sort of rinse repeat so that we can get marketing really refined and really smart so that you're spending dollars effectively. That's, that's essentially what we're doing over here. I think it makes a lot of sense. I think as, as you look at the marketing, as you look at what's going on, there's just so much data out there and it's so hard to figure out how to use it. But one thing I want to jump into real quick is in the last year, you have gone from a medium-sized company to an <laughs> enormous company to like a super tiny company. Uh -huh. um, what, like, what would you say? What, what, do you, what do you love? What do you hate about the, about the different <laughs> spots? Right. Well, I mean, everyone's going to know who those companies are. So I've got to be sort of political um, and respect the, respect all of them. Um, I think it's a more of a learning for myself where I have always done well is in smaller organizations where I can have my fingers in a lot of pies. Um, where I don't do well is in a big company, very structured, stay in your lane, don't think or do anything outside of this thing that we pay you to do. And um, so for me, I've just never really done well in big companies. I think that um, when I joined Wisely, we were at 20 people. And when we sold, we were at about 65. Um, when I was at Marketing Vitals, we were at about 20 people. Uh, and I think that's probably a space where I really thrive is that under a hundred employees, um, you know, so really able to like say, Hey, I I've heard this and it can impact that and, and be allowed to think, um, yeah. where big companies don't want that. You know, that's, I, I totally know what you mean. I've worked at a couple of very large companies before. And the, the thing that I kind of feel is like, they give you a broom, they put you in a room and they tell you to clean the room and you're like, okay, but, but I don't need a broom. I need like a mop you know, and they're like, yeah, but you, you are a broom person. If you want to schedule a mop person to come in, you could, whereas when you're in a startup, it's just like, you're Get cleaning it, yeah. the house. It's like, yeah. you know, let's figure it out. And if we're using the, if, we, if we're using our finger and scratching the tiles, like scrappy, like we'll do that. So I think yeah. this analogy has, has uh, run its course, but the concept is I, I feel like we are people that like to solve problems we're not people that like to be handed a solution to do, you know? Well, and I, honestly, like even in my role as a head of marketing, where I really thrived was in building. I mm -hmm. was the person that would say, well, let's go listen to the problem and let's bring in the stakeholders and let's figure it out together. And that to me is super exciting, like solving the problem, coming up with the strategies. What isn't exciting to me is the day-to-day -day repetition. So like yeah. one of the reasons I left the client side was because I just couldn't plan one more promotion. <laughs> I couldn't come <laughs> you, up with you one were more done with LTIs. coffee offer. I just, I was like, this is, I, I don't want to do this. It wasn't exciting anymore. Yeah. And I had said to my last employer before I left, I basically said, I've, I've built you a, a Cadillac using, you know, data and all this stuff. And they didn't value it. And so mm -hmm. that's where I finished my MBA and just was like, okay, I'm going to see about finding, you know, a role on the other side of the table. And Fishbowl was there at the time. They were one of my vendors and offered me a job and was really grateful for the learning experience. But um, candidly, I kept losing to this upstart, you know, marketing vitals. So um, was there through COVID and then 
um, you know, made the move to wisely. Those are pretty seamless transitions because they were about the same size. But, um, you know, the, the Olo acquisition was probably just too big of a company for me to be successful. Yeah. Well, and I think that's that's one of the things is like when you go in and it's uh, the thing that I teach my team here, we talk about all the time is about what what is innovation and innovation is not doing something that you're asked to do. And it's not even answering questions that your leaders pose to you. Real innovation is figuring out what are the questions that need to be answered and then taking that down the down the totem pole of let's let's find the right questions. Let's get the right answers and let's put an action plan in place, right? And yeah. if if for people like you, it's like if you don't have that ability to really ask the right questions and own that own that level of thinking, it becomes really challenging to to stay yeah. engaged. And I totally get that. Well, like for me, it's when I'm working with a client. Um, you know, we're 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 an immature company, right? We're young, we're growing, we're building. It really does. Like I'm talking to this person, I hear a problem. I talk to the next person, I hear the same problem. Talk to the next person, and I go start asking friends, "Is this a problem for you? Is this a problem?" And um, once we can identify, like this is a problem that a lot of people have, then we work towards how do we solve it. And I think the the cool thing that is I've seen so far in the last few months of being here is that we've got a team of developers and we have a team of data scientists and. When I come to Jordan and say, hey, this is what we need to build. This is what the market wants. This is the problem we're solving. We build it and we start calling our CFO friends, our CIO friends, our CMO friends, and we start asking them questions like, hey, what would you want to see? How does this work? Mm -hmm. And we really work to build what people want as opposed to you know, we're, we're a solution looking for a problem. Yes. Right. That's, that's always a tough one. It's, it's much easier to, to sit there and, um, to understand one thing really deeply and build a solution for that. Now, one, one of the things that there's a data point that I've seen circulating around the internet that 70% of first time customers don't come back. Is this something that, do you see that being a problem with the data that, that you're seeing currently of, uh, first-time customers versus frequency. Is there, because I'm assuming mm-hmm. that if I, if I were to draw a graph, it would be very high. hundred percent of people try it the first time. And then as it goes to the second, third, fourth, fifth, it would be an extremely steep drop off there. Is, is that the data that you're seeing as well? I don't know what the sort of universal number is. I think as we grow, we'd be able to provide those sort of metrics. Um, Right now, the way that we look at it, an individual store level comp set, we don't have that in aggregate, but I could see over time that we would. Um, and I remember being on the client side myself and a vendor telling us that 85% of our guests were one-time visitors. And my CEO lost his shit. He said, that's not true. Every, I know everybody, all the mailers, but, I, exactly, but, it's yeah. like, but you don't know all the people you don't know. Mm. And so I think that on that, in regards to that data point, the, there are really only two ways to get to that, right? Like, so you care about new, you care about acquisition, you want to understand new versus repeat. You can get to it through payment tokens. And that's a, a big part of our education in the industry is talking about payment tokens and the value that they provide. And the other way is through the card networks, right? Mm-hmm. So we have both of those. Like that's what, so like we've got some really interesting stuff we can do around frequency. And like one of our 
network partners recently said to us that they believe they can provide us sales data from the third-party delivery companies, which we can then triangulate back to the token, which means that we could potentially answer whether third-party delivery is cannibalizing sales. And I don't know that there's anyone in the market that can do that. Interesting. And it's, a, I mean, who doesn't want to know that? Because if I yeah. told you that it was cannibalizing sales and it was a less profitable sale, would you still even offer it? Or would you mm -hmm. offer it at certain times? Would you change your model? Like it could be, I, I would argue that like third-party delivery and some of these like, you know, food on demand uh, type of channels uh, really helped prop up the industry during COVID. But as COVID sort of, I would not going to say it subsides, but as our reaction to it changes and as we see like mm -hmm. inflation and a potential recession around the corner, how do you then justify whether you're going to be spending, like, am I as a consumer going to pay the premium I was paying on third-party delivery? I don't know. Yeah. I mean, only time will tell, but, but so I think that we've got like a real distinct advantage in the market and um, are just looking to build solutions that answer questions like that and solve real problems. So being on, you, you've had a very interesting career being restaurant side and then working with hundreds, if not thousands of brands on the, uh, on the tech side and, and building out this, these customer profiles and really understanding who the customer is. If you were to kind of synthesize that into what are some mistakes that you see restaurants making when it comes to marketing, when it comes to looking at their customers? Oh, that's such a big question. Um, I think the first thing that needs to happen is that there are still brands out there that do not value data. They just don't. Um, they don't have it all in one place. So they might have a solution like yours, right? That tells them some operational insights on reviews. Then they might have a BI tool over here. Mm -hmm. um, maybe they're aggregating their data and creating some segments. I mean, what I've seen a lot of in the last year and a half is the rise of what I would call CDP and um, the customer data platform. And there's different types and varying degrees of it. And what we see a lot of is some of the bigger, more enterprise brands leaning into um, solutions like an M particle or a segment or a telium, which I would argue are much more in the like digital sphere. So that's great if more than 50% of your transactions are online, but if they're not, how are you talking to the rest of your brick and mortar business? Yeah. Right. So even like some companies, um, you know, I won't name names, but there's like a 500 unit chain that didn't have payment token. And so they're basing menu and product decisions around frequency exclusively in their loyalty program, which is 10% of their guests. So making strong business decisions based on the way that 10% of their audience behaves that opts in for essentially offers and tracking. Is that like, what about the other 90%? Well, how about this? A lot, a lot of places, what they do is they rely on things like receipt surveys where they're getting 0.009% of their customer base to, to tell them what's going on and, oh. and they're incentivizing them. Right. So it's like they're getting, they're getting such limited advice from a segment of people that by virtue of how much effort it is to, to mm -hmm. give the advice and by the incentive, they probably not the customers that you want to have anyway. Right? Well, and that's where I think sort of what you're doing is fantastic and using text messaging. I mean, we saw that as a big driver and where I see a, like a real opportunity is, 
you keep hearing about this personalization and mm -hmm. how that's driving sales and customization. And in order to do that, you have to have all your data in one place. Like that's, you got to start there. Right. And, um, but beyond that, like when you start thinking about your guests and surveying them, you have an opportunity to have a conversation, right? Hey, send them like, you know, did you like the meal? You already know what they have, right? If yeah. you can link it to a transaction, I don't need to ask you what you ate. I just need to make sure I can link it to that transaction and you can solve that problem. You can get the guest, you can send a one-time post visit survey. So in my mind, like I'd be putting QR codes on everything. Tell us your favorite burger, earn extra points. You know, um, yeah. I'm a vegetarian, scan this here to let us know, like give the customer a chance to inter to interact that way. Text is so easy. Like it could be questions, it can be even visuals, and it can just be fun, right? Yeah. What's your favorite shake? All those things can like really be informing, like you take that piece of data in and okay, now you know that guest will engage with you. Totally. And and that that creates, it's a much more real relationship. For example, I, you know, I've been, I've been married now for six and a half years. Um, and so I, I'm not on dating apps, but when I was on dating apps, how did you know if things were progressing? You would move from the app to a text and you'd right. say, Hey, what's your number? I'll text you. Right. When, when you have, when you are in their text inbox with permission, and I do need to add that with yeah. permission. Um, that's how, you know, that you're starting to actually build a relationship. And when you can have that dialogue that enhances it, but to your point, Tammy, is that if you have all of your data in such disparate places, you, you're only getting a sliver, a sliver, a sliver. How do you aggregate that? You know, and I think right. that's something that's really important to, to realize is that this, this aggregation of data is essential. And that when, when looking for that aggregator tool, it's kind of like, that's the, the um, data aggregation, these CDPs, I feel like is the answer to the swing, the pendulum swing that happens of all in one versus everyone doing something specific. And then it goes back to all in one, then everyone doing something specific. Then you have these, these CDPs yeah. and the, the beautiful thing about the CDPs is they're saying, Hey, pick the best that pick the, the, the tools that are going to solve your biggest problems, the best right. and bring all that data together. And let's, let's analyze that and, and get answers from that. Right. And I think that's like, that's, that's an area where I feel like we're just uniquely set up because no other CDP is going to look at, okay, well now I took an action and what's that measurement, right? Like, mm -hmm. did it work? And we don't have a vested stake in whether it worked. So being able to push out an email and say, you know what, that one didn't work. Try something different. Or mm -hmm. I did this media buy. It didn't work. Or this one worked really well. Let's repeat it. Um, so I, I think that we've got a real opportunity here in the space and, um, you know, really looking to people like yourselves to partner with and get the word out about what we're doing. Yeah. So what do you think, Tammy, is the most important aspect of guest experience nowadays? Well, let's see. I was talking with a client the other day who said that they still can't keep their stores open. So I would argue that the number one thing in customer experience right now is still labor right? Your team members, are you getting people there? Can you keep your restaurants open? Um, it's unfortunate that we're still having these labor conversations. It's been going on for a few months. 
could be a few months more. I mean, we, we could get to the point where labor isn't an issue because we've got such inflation or potential recession, mm-hmm. right? So um, I think that the biggest thing is probably labor. And I think that the other part of it is um, in terms of guest experience, I do think it's technology. I think customers are hungry for it, right? Um, we're less averse to ordering at a kiosk. We will walk up to hit a counter and put in a code and get a food out of a locker. So uh-huh. I think that the technology is a big part of the guest experience and the brands who aren't embracing it are going to be the brands that get left to the wayside. Totally. Yeah. Uh, what, what are some successful things that you've seen lately? What do you mean? Like successful in terms of what? Like what, what restaurants are doing to, um, to, to grow? Well, I think, um, besides uh, using Aben, <laughs> besides using Aben, um, <laughs> no, I won't name any clients, but I will name, um, a couple friends of mine, uh, Tim Hackbart and Aaron Lovezo over at Del Taco. I really think that what they're doing with menu and, um, even from a digital space too. I mean, they, they completely redid their app. They have released like a 20 items under $20, And so I feel like they hit that value message at the perfect time. And Mm -hmm. as as gas prices are going up or or staying up, I guess I should say, we're going to see a lot more of those value-oriented offerings. And I think they beat everybody to the punch. Yeah, Um, four four tacos for a gallon. That seems like a pretty good deal. I mean, and it's not because they're my friends, which they are, um, but truly I think they've done a really good job over there at Del Taco. Awesome. Well, besides them, anyone else that you think that we should, that deserves an ovation in the restaurant industry, anyone else that we should be following? Oh, people that we should be following? Well, follow me for sure, especially if you're looking for a job ever. (laughs) 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 That's all I do is share jobs. Um, But I would argue that, you know, Jordan is worth following. His blog is a really well-read blog. He's got a couple thousand subscribers. Um, He puts out some great content. And in fact, is often the person that like, you know, whistleblowers call to um, sort of share what's happening in the industry. So um, I would, I would plug my partner. Awesome. Love it. Uh, And how do people find you, follow you? Well, um, let's see. So my name is Tammy K. Billings. I'm on LinkedIn. Um, uh, That's really where I put most of my professional content and uh, we're redoing our website. So um, website was actually being done by our partners over at It's Plain Air. They are um, building that for us. That'll be out next month. And um, we're not on Instagram. We are on Facebook. We're on Twitter. And the website is joinabin.com. Awesome. Well, for lighting up this industry with your energy, for being such an awesome thought leader, Tammy, today's ovation goes to you. Thanks for joining us and giving ovation. Awesome. Thanks, Zach, for having me. Glad you're with us today, and thank you. Thank you to the risk takers, the troublemakers, the crazies who are keeping this world clothed and fed. You're the ones who deserve an ovation. Again, this podcast was sponsored by Ovation. To see how we can help you grow your business, go to OvationUp.com. Don't forget to subscribe, and as always, remember to give someone in your life an ovation today.